We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audio books are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Also, if you want to know who I copied this style of intro from, then listen on. Now, on to my guest for today, Chris Terry of Gen Z Media. Canadian-born Chris Terry is co-founder and chief production officer of Gen Z Media, an award-winning podcast production company that produces family-friendly audio stories. As one of the three writers who founded the company, Chris brings his talent in music and production to help create an immersive audio experience for their listeners. He is also the author of the acclaimed book of short fiction, How to Carry Bigfoot Home, as well as a respected jazz bass player. Chris describes the origins of Gen Z when he and his co-founders set out to produce old-time, family-friendly radio plays. Their first venture, The Unexplainable Disappearance of Mars Patel, a serial mystery for middle graders, proved successful. And then they've gone on to produce other shows. Mars Patel is now being made into a TV series as well. Chris talks about how they strive to create shows that the whole family can listen to, where the adults aren't bored 
and the children don't feel like they're being talked down to. The story and the audience are the two key ingredients that he feels are essential to success in the world of entertainment today. Now, let's get better together. Chris Terry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, I am a big, 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 big fan of Gen Z media. My future stepdaughter, Reva, is a huge fan. I just am blown away by how creative and how well you guys do uh, what you do. And I think it's sort of like, to me, the next level of podcasting. There's a lot of stuff to unpack on that. But um, before we get started, I would really love to know how you came to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of an interesting it's kind of an interesting story. So I'm a I'm a musician uh, by trade, a professional jazz musician actually um, for the last thirty years, and um, but was also a sort of um, behind the scenes ever since I was a little kid, sort of publishing uh, writing in various literary magazines and some nonfiction stuff here or there here and there. And when I moved out of New York City, just we're just a little bit outside the city in a town called Maplewood, New Jersey, because um, I got, you know, I had kids and was tired of, you know, packing the stroller into the front of our Brooklyn apartment, tripping over it every day. Um, I moved out here and, you know, my book had just come out. And so I was doing a bunch of uh, get meeting writers who lived in a town of Maplewood and stuff. And, and really early on, I ran into my two partners that would become my Gen Z partners, Ben Strauss, and David Kreisman, um, who are also writers. And uh, Ben had, the night, had an idea about starting a kind of a radio play, doing a radio play that was for younger listeners to sort of bring, harken back to the, uh, you know, the old days of, uh, of, of sort of vintage radio. And I said, well, you know, and at that point I was, I was really into podcasts and I was doing some sort of, a few little bit of freelancing gigs, writing music for podcasts and doing some other stuff. Um, uh, I was friends uh, in town here with um, a lot of the, um, a lot of the people from this American life and serial living in, in oh. Maplewood. Maplewood is this weird little town that is sort of, because of its connection and location close to New York city, right. Has a lot of Broadway people, a lot of radio people. So, oh, wow. uh, you know, yes. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, David Kestenbaum and I were really good friends from This American Life, and he used to be on Planet Money, and um, our kids went to the same daycare. So there oh. was sort of all these interesting connections. And wow. Anyway, so I said to Ben, I said, uh, you know, we, we were actually starting a writer's group. And I said, I like, yeah, let's do the writer's group. That sounds fun. But I keep thinking about this idea of a, of a show. You want to do it as a podcast? And he said, what's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, and then we met Dave from there and, uh, and, um, yeah, went, went on to sort of form Gen Z and started the first show we did, which had another creator, um, along with us named Jenny Turner Hall was, uh, the four of us created a show called Mars Patel, which was yes. the first, the first thing. Yes, yes. And that luckily we had no, we just sort of put it out and sort of learned the ropes. Um, you know, it helped that I had a background in engineering and music production and all that sort of stuff and had the sort of studio, my own studio that I did, you know, tracks as a musician for people kind of would send me bass tracks and I would produce records from home and do all that kind of stuff. And so it enabled me to sort of um, put together the show 
And it was just sort of, you know, and then from there, the, the Mars Patel, we just got lucky, got picked up by a few uh, really sort of great podcast periodicals, I guess, or like websites that picked it as the best of the year. And from there on, it, you know, and then the three of us, Ben, Dave, and I um, went out and started Gen Z Media. And that was the, that was sort of the start of it, you know. Wow. That's uh, yes. quite the uh, and- quite the whirlwind. It it is. It's kind of you know. It's interesting. The three of us make up a very. The three of us cover a wide swath of of um, abilities. So Dave is a is a multi Emmy award winning showrunner and TV writer. So he leads all, all of our writing teams. Of course, like I said, I come from music. Uh, won many sort of Canadian Grammys, which are called Junos. <laughs> so you know, for anybody, oh, any, for, anybody huh. for, 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 for anybody that huh. cares. Six minutes, Juno, huh? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I, uh, we all, we, the three, and Ben, and Ben comes from a, um, uh, entertainment, uh, lawyer. He's a, he's an entertainment lawyer by trade. And, uh, and so, you know, he covers all that's, he covers all the sort of day-to-day business and he's the sort of business guy. And Dave and I are sort of the, the art guys. And, uh, he is as well. He's Ben's also a writer and has a kid's book out. Um, so, you know, we cover a lot of bases and that was about four years ago. I think that we started it. And now we are up to, as you say, many, many shows. We've got probably 10 in post-production right now, a team of about eight to 10 full-time people, depending on wow what's going on. And, uh, you know, learning, learning every day, learning, you know, we're finally getting good at better at the social media. We hired a full-time social media person named Jess, who's fantastic. And <coughs> excuse me. And so that's a long answer to your question is that I'm not much of a business guy, oh. okay. <laughs> but I've had to, but I've had to learn, right. Um, right. I've had to right. learn how to lead teams and how to, I can't compose all the music for every show. You know, now we have teams of composers and figure out what that looks like and how to set up production schedules. And as the company grows and grows, which is fortunate for us that it's continuing to grow that I, you know, I've had to learn how to be more than just a bass player, (laughs) you know? Yeah. 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 So, wow. So how was it like coming together with those co-founders? I mean, this is your first startup quote, right? Or you've done. Yeah. Okay. Um, Usually, you know, the, the first startup is the one where, um, you right. You figure it out. Like it's hard to kind of get this stuff right. I mean, it looks like you guys have mm-hmm. done pretty successful so far and ha- have your other co-founders done startups before or, or is like all three of you new to this? Well, you know, um, I think we were all very kind of qualified and successful in what we had done previously, mm-hmm. you know, um, I made a, a really pretty had a successful career as a musician and still still do obviously not now with covid but uh so thank 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 god for gen z media <laughs> but uh you know and dave dave worked on many 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 daytime tv shows as a showrunner for many many years um and ben again ben had probably the most amount of startup experience and he which is the reason he runs the day to day and and he's uh got a good business head you know so so, uh, yeah, um, there were some bumps along the road, obviously, like there always is. And, um, you know, I would say recently it's just gotten to the point where we're growing really fast and, 
feeling like we have our arms around it a little bit more. Not just making those sort of startup decisions like, hey, what do we need to do today? (laughs) Uh, You know, so one thing we always had from the very beginning was uh, this idea that we wanted to make shows not just for kids. We wanted to make shows for for families like, you know, that that a show that you can listen to with your stepdaughter that is uh, that you enjoy story wise and that she enjoys story wise. So we we take our listeners if they're young and force them to listen above their age. Of course, there's no there's no swearing or sex or anything like that, but they're scary. Yeah, they're challenging. Yeah, the the music the music is not on from the very beginning. Very purposely, I made a decision to make the music very much adult underscore adult music. Um, So the kids get this feeling that they're not being talked down to, that they're getting something that they're not hearing other places and that isn't playing to their age. And we do that with the sound design and the music and everything. And then the, the story, I mean, we push, we push the, we push the, the boundaries. Yeah. I mean, some of this stuff <laughs> like Remy's life interrupted, which is, mm-hmm. has been going on for a while now. Um, some of the stuff in there is a little, like even me, I'm like, Ooh, that's a bit scary. I don't know. Hopefully, you know, what's going to happen. But, uh, mm-hmm. I do, I do like the fact that you try to take the whole family approach. And so that we, you know, like, like back in the day, you know, when, um, I think it was, yeah, FDR used to do those fireside chats where you'd like read from books or like have that feel of like the whole family can come together and, and like listen to some. Uh, something that's entertaining and and appropriate and you know like parents not going to cringe at like oh you know <laughs> I shouldn't have said that or the kind of racy right. stuff I mean it's it, it's almost the equivalent of kind of like Scooby Doo you know yeah. like you know Scooby Doo is a little scary and the music's a little <laughs> weird but you kind of know at the end of the twenty seven minutes that yeah everything's going to be okay right it's not yeah. it's scary but not scary and there's some things at least nowadays, that's not, that's not the way it is. Like some of the stuff, some of the new sitcoms and everything, or some of these new shows, they're just scary to be scary. They're not scary to, mm-hmm. to like drive the story. Well, for us, for us, for us, the thing that is at the heart of all of it, be the three of us are storytellers. So, you know, um, and all come from a writing background in some sort of way. So, you know, I think one of the things if I'm going to toot our own horn that sets our shows apart a little bit, and I would say probably even from adult uh, audio dramas and stuff is that story is central and always the most important. We are make, you know, when we're in post-production on a show, uh, there's been many shows where we are changing story and making it clearer and making it more exciting and making it more immersive and making it more just as good as we can possibly make it. Um, right up to the very end. So that is always big edits and big changes and big um, ideas are always on the table, you know, right up through the writing phase, right up until the minute before the show gets released. So a lot of our shows we're working on, you know, days and nights before it actually comes out, still, still tweaking, still refining. Wow. wow. That's so, and that's startup. one of the goals. <laughs> yeah. So that's one of the goals we always set for ourselves is, you know, how can we tell this story? Um, the three of us, are really relentless when it comes to that. And I think, I think that that's what people really, really respond to that, that the stories are good and fun and exciting and uh, can kind of exist anywhere really. If you, you know, Oh yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, totally. I mean, it was I think it was Treasure Island 2020. I think it's one mm-hmm. of yours that uh, you know I've read the of course read the read the original book, um, but the the twists and turns that it takes because of course you know it's modernized. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I mean, we we were driving down to. I mean, I live in California. We were in live in San Francisco. We were driving driving down to Paso Robos, <laughs> which is like three and a half hours away. So we're like, okay, what are we going to listen to? And so pulled up, you know, Treasure Island 2020, just like, I think we binged the whole thing. But, <laughs> but the, you know, the, but the beautiful thing, right. And that one was a little more long form where the episodes mm-hmm. are like 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. Whereas yeah, actually that long, one of our longest shows was a half hour episodes. Yeah. Yeah. You guys do this interesting thing with the cliffhanger and you even like almost joke about it in uh in remy's life interrupted where yeah. it's like, oh gotta have a cliffhanger now right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which yeah, yeah. which is beautiful in the sense that um that i think is you know that's the kind of this the story driven arc right it's the mm-hmm. exposition is ammunition it's the cliffhangers it's sort of building up and then you know give delivering the goods at the next mm-hmm. the next one right um, so, Remy's, li- Remy's life is Remy's life has really been really fun that way yeah, because totally it's it's a show that splits for one of our first sh- shows that sort of splits the difference between reality and fiction. Yeah. So in a, in a way that like you know all these kids that are asking for shout outs and I mean we literally get hundreds and hundreds a day. It's oh yeah, crazy. Can imagine. Um, and so that aspect of it makes the, the fictive sort of aspect of the show seem so much more real. You know. That uh, and she's commenting as a fan on a fiction show, <laughs> and so it's been it's it's this sort of it's like it's like it's like this meta it's like this meta thing, and you know super meta because you know exactly talking about being a startup, you know we were able to we were able to put that show into production with like two days' notice. Yeah, yeah. So no, you know it's... how do we how do we do something that is easy to produce that is fun and will sort of cross these boundaries, but also says something about the time we're living in and mm-hmm. gives, gives, gives kids a, a way to sort of interact with being in lockdown and uh, the sort of scariness of that. And what, what, you know, the sort of, can we, can we, can we put something together and pivot really quickly that, that helps kids, uh, you know, how helps kids out during this time, you know? Oh Feels yeah, like they have somewhere, something, somewhere to go and listen to something that that is talking to them. Well, and it's their lived experience in the moment. I mean, that's what right. you know. That's what my stepdaughter, when we listen to it, I mean, she, you know, exactly what Remy's going through is what. Right. We're, and I love. I mean, I won't going to give it away because it's such a cool show, guys. Everyone should listen to it. But the twists and turns and how reality and how how you bring in other factors. It's super creative. Like really. If that doesn't win an award for something, it should it should win a Juno or whatever the equivalent here is. And thanks. And um, but yeah, so I'm I'm also fascinated how how you're how you're going to like build up this this company. I mean, you said you're growing now. I know you've got you know merchandise. I'm sure you've got a bunch of shows in the pipeline. Is there just a general overarching like? strategy on how to do it or is it just is it really just story driven and you know it's all about like coming up with great content because the reason i ask is that uh i'm an advisor to a a podcasting network called blue wire and Mm -hmm. blue wire is sports podcasting like all sports i think there's over a hundred now podcasts in this in the blue wire network and it's it's growing like a weed uh because you know they're starting to not only do they do sports commentary, but they're doing these 
original content, kind of like what you guys are doing, but related to sports. Uh, and I just, for whatever reason, this original content, story-driven uh, stuff, or audio, for lack of a better word, seems to be picking up its steam more more so, I think, growth than like a, like this podcast, right? Like like what we're doing, you mm-hmm. know, kind of an interview show. Are you seeing that trend? Is that sort of where, where you're seeing the company going or... Yeah, well, we've seen a really big trend just in terms of original f- fiction content. Fiction, you know, in podcasts when we started, where we, you know, we were we were one of a handful. Yeah, you know, and now there's now there's a whole bunch, and there's a partly a reason for that. So one of one of our behind the scenes things that's always been a big part of us and allows us to grow is that we create these shows, get big audiences, and then um, the shows uh, are sold to TV and film to be made into TV shows. So oh. what, what, so what this, so, you know, one of the big things, um, it's this idea uh, that content is king mm-hmm. and that any of these shows can, that the stories are so strong that they can exist as IP across multiple platforms. So books, TV shows, movies, um, and that's a big part of our business. That's a big, big part of our business. You know, Mars Patel uh, is in development by Disney Plus. We just had a show, another show come out on Disney Plus, our nonfiction show, The Big Fib. Mm, just yep, came out. yep. We've listened to um, that. Yep, yep. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, we have multiple deals with other shows in the works with other uh, TV companies. And, you know, that's, um, you know, and Mars Patel is coming out as a book. Uh, a three book series that, that comes out actually next month, I think September or oh, October. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. So the first one comes out. So it's this idea that the IP can live anywhere. Um, and if you've got a good story, that's really the trick. That's really the case. And the other thing is we bring a large audience to it already. Right. So you're not just selling an idea, you're selling an audience and an idea. Yeah, yeah, you sort of. Built not that I want to say we're selling our audience because we're not. <laughs> that's not. That's not what I. That's not. What I mean, our audience is the most important thing in the world. But but right, you know, right, right. the fact that these things can live on in other in other ways. Yeah, I mean, it is sort of the Disney model. It is sort of like uh, lots of of these, like um, like what Marvel did um, mm-hmm. with comic books, and then I mean the the Star Wars franchise, where very much good solid story structure that transcends media i mean it seems mm-hmm. that way to me i mean every time I, I look at some of these crossover things that are like you know like the marvel universe right how many marvel mm-hmm. movies and comic books and, i mean it's right. endless it's star wars same thing now they've got you know young yoda <laughs> this it's yeah. just crazy yeah. um, and we, you know we, we we also have a um a very sort of busy uh we're producing a bunch of shows that people don't even really know that we produce, you know, for, oh. for TV, for TV shows that come to us and say, can we, can you turn this show into a podcast? You know, that oh. kind of thing. So we, Great. so we do a lot of, we do a lot of third party work as well, where we have production teams working on, um, you know, uh, other shows that, um, sometimes they're a co-production, you know, um, uh, Treasure Island 2020 was actually that a co-production between us, BYU radio hired us to, yep. to do that. And, we developed the show with them. So it's, you know, there's a couple others like that, but we also have ones where we, people just hire us to produce, produce and make their show. I have an idea, you know, sort of mostly TV companies, you know, that want to do an offshoot of a specific show. And they're realizing that podcast is a good, good way to sort of reach a different audience. So the IP is going back the other way, you know, it's sort of like a, it's like, interestingly, it's kind of a two way street now. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, it is really a skill and I think something that not a lot of people are really good at to develop great shows for podcasts. I mean, sound is so important and the story and all this sort of stuff that it gets lost on some people. I know a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do my own podcast, like an interview show. You know, they get maybe five into it and they're like, gosh, yeah. this is hard. <laughs> it's not yeah. just a bunch of guys sitting on a microphone, like talking yeah. about stuff. It's like, no, you got to like research it. And you, you know, yeah. there's, there's yeah. things yeah. that are important. So, um, what do you, do you guys see, uh, taking, um, Gen Z media away from, well, you've already mentioned that you're going to like have books and everything like that, but do you think it's also going to go into movies and, and TV as, as, as a bigger piece of it? Or do you think it'll always start with, with podcasting? I think at our heart, we're a podcasting production company. And I think the way we look at it is leveraging those stories in other areas. Hmm. Um, I don't think we'll ever become a TV production company. So, you know, our, our deals are typically, um, you know, done with, with TV production companies that want to want the rights to develop or, uh, air a particular show, you know, that kind that kind of thing. So we're definitely not at the size where we're able to sort of produce a TV show, but you know, one of the fun things about, we always say is that, you know, it's a lot less expensive to crash land a, that crash land a rover on Mars with sound, <laughs> with sound that it is with picture. Yeah, or create a pirate ship in the middle of the exactly. <laughs> yeah, Which, I mean, you know, sometimes we write when we're in the when we have it. You know, stuff comes back from the script scripting stage, and Dave and I and Ben will often say to each other, "Okay, now this scene." We may have done it to ourselves. This might not be possible. <laughs> you know, this might, like there's that scene and I think we hit that moment. We've always been able to pull it together and it's actually the, the biggest challenge is, you know, there was that scene in Treasure Island 2020 where, <clears throat> where the main character is running up the mast yeah. and he's calling back down to like, he's calling back down to like a bunch of people on the deck. And then we cut to the people on the deck who are talking about him way up in the mast. Then we yeah. cut back to him up in the mast and then, how do we let the listener know where we are and who we're listening to and who we're with? Yeah. You know, and the same thing happened when there were all the three pirate ships Yeah, and they, and, and, and I think it was, um, uh, the pirate was like jumping from one ship to the other. And how do you, how do you <laughs> figure out like how with only audio, how to let people know like what ship you're on? Yeah. Because everybody's going to hear this in a different way, you know? And so we spend a lot of time, a lot, a lot of time making sure things are clear and that, mm. uh, you know, that, that the, the point of view in terms of the scene is as clear and as, uh, and as fun and as uh, realistic as we can make it. Yeah. So, so as part of that creative process, um, how do you, how do you write this? Do you write it as like a novel or is it a screenplay quote unquote, or, or I, cause I mean, I, I write, you know, I've, I've written six books. I'm working on my seventh right now, which is a Great. memoir. Um, I write mostly nonfiction. I actually did, uh, Reva, my um, future stepdaughter. She, uh, her, we wrote a, we wrote, actually wrote a, a chapter book together, uh, which was nice. really fun. Uh, it was a fictional one about, uh, during NaNoWriMo, which I, I don't know if you've heard of NaNoWriMo. Right. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, my, yeah, being a long time writer and publishing writing and yeah, NaNoWriMo, I know for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so we wrote this book about these magical sea otters. <laughs> it's pretty fun, but, uh, we're still in the process of trying to get it published, but, uh, 
is is it the process? Is it like do you write it as a book? It, it, are there? I don't even know if there is there like a audio script format or how, how does that process work? Yeah, so we treat it very much like a TV writer's room. Okay. So uh, generally, Dave, Ben, and I, um, well, before the pandemic, would get together. <laughs> would get together, and we have an idea for a show. We've got a whole stable of ideas for shows that kind of live, and you know, probably got forty or fifty of them kind of in the pipeline. And we like we think, okay, well, what do, what's what do we feel like doing? Mm-hmm. And uh, we will take a take an idea and a story, and we'll break it out break it out just through talking about it, throwing it on the whiteboard and come up with like a, a, an episodic sort of arc, you know, episode one, here's what happens. Episode two, here's what happens. Episode three, episode four, up through 10 generally. Um, although we've done recently some seven and eight episode shows. We're just finishing one up called the hollow that's coming out. It's going to, mm. it's going to drop uh, the eight days before Halloween up until Halloween. Oh, cool. So it's a retake on uh, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, neat. Of course. So similar to Treasure Island 2020, but re- redone. Actually, we just dropped the trailer today. You can hear it at the website. Cool. But um, yeah, so then from that stage, it goes to outlines. So we'll outline story based on that sort of general uh, episodic kind of wide strokes and, and and that's where it sort of gets down to it's not you know it's not written in script format it's written sort of in like now these are like the these are tight tighter more defined a little bit longer episode uh, outlines and then uh in the early days that would be ben and dave and i would take parts of it and go and write you know write uh Ben would take episode one, Dave would take two, you know, all with Dave kind of overseeing it all because he comes from that land of TV. So, and then we would, we would make scripts, you know, uh, and they're just done like, uh, like a TV script a little bit with a little bit more like character names thrown in because you got to know who you're understand who you're talking to, but they're done like a TV, like a, like a, like a screenplay. Um, but now they sort of leave the outline stage. Now we have a bunch of writer writing teams across the country that Dave oversees. And um, so they go to one of those teams and uh, it's go- it goes from sort of outlines to script scripting. And then Dave kind of sees it through that process. And then it um, kind of gets turned over to me, uh, the three of us. And we direct, you know, in the old days we used to go in a studio and record an entire season in two days. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and, uh, now we've had to figure out how to do everything remotely. So, you know, it's usually Dave or one of our directors, Michelle directing and me running a source connect session where I've got four or five actors, um, coming in via uh, a program called source connect, uh, into, into my pro tool session. And they are various parts of the country. Um, and we're able to put the show together that way. And then we start a process, um, which is voice edit, which we take all of the edits, all of the sort of lines that we want and make sure that it's together in one feasible, you know, not working too much on timing, but that at least this line in the script comes after this line in the script. And this guy says this at this point. And so it's sort of like a voice edit. And then from there we go into sound design and music. Um, and often at that, at that point, we'll only have maybe two or three of the main actors. The rest are being voiced by us. So you'll hear like, you know, Long John Silver, who will be like, our mateys. And then he'll Dave and I'd be like, and listen, guys, like, we'll do the, 
we'll, we'll, we'll kind of block out the scene with the people that we don't have and right. it'll be us. Right. That allows us to get the sound design together, start working on the timing. And essentially after a month or so, we'll have a, a, a um, an episode or a show that is for all intents purposes, kind of done and mixed and working, but it may not have all the voices in it. Okay. And it may have a bunch of edits that we've done in terms of story. You know, we, Dave, Ben and I go through everything. We call it the sort of grand edit where the three of us sit and we're like, let's change this. This makes sense. So what's happening? Like, it's just all of us and anything's fair game. So we'll make all these changes in the script. And then at that point, we'll go back to the actors, get all of the, and then, you know, you might even have a, a sentence where somebody says, you know, and so listen, Long John Silver, I, and then it'll be me saying, think that you should go to the thing above, Bob, right? And so, <laughs> and so we need to get from that actor, right. I think you should go to the thing above, Bob. So right, right, right. we get all of those things. But the interesting thing is the show is essentially built at that point. So then it's just a matter of replacing all the, all the parts um, and then uh, making sure, you know, uh, it sounds fluid and natural. And, um, and then that's it show comes out. Wow. So we can debt, we can kind of go in the old days. I'm not sure where we are now. It'd be interesting to find out. We've definitely gotten quicker in this COVID thing in terms of not quicker than we were before, but quicker than we were when it started out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically we can go from like, uh, the genesis of an idea to finish show in about six months. Wow. So, wow. And that's the whole like episodic like all 10 episodes. All yeah. 10 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. We, we rarely in the early days of Mars Patel, we did produce as the show was coming out, mm-hmm. but we just don't have the ability the time to do that anymore. So when, you know, one of the reasons, you know, we get a lot of parents and kids asking, you know, Hey, when is this show coming out? It's been so long. It's like, I mean, it takes a long time, you know, I mean, we're much quicker than this, but in the early days, it was about, 40 to 50 hours for 10 minutes of content. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. That's the level that we're Whoa. dealing with. I, I, I'm all bent out of shape because it takes me four hours for one hour of content on my podcast. I feel much yeah. better now. You're like, wow, I mean, 10x more. I mean, we're, and that, that takes, or that more. takes into account the writing, the creating of yeah. the show, the, the make that, you know, all the music we do is custom written for every show oh wow score scored like an hbo drama like yeah. you know it's all done oh, no. the music's great i mean i think the music plays a huge part in why you know i enjoy it and you know we all enjoy it so much because there is something to be said about how that sets the tone like mm-hmm. it almost paints the scene for you yep you know like even you know like again my scooby-doo analogy <laughs> You know, when right. you hear the music in Scooby Doo, you're like, "Oh, something's going to happen." You know, like you can kind of feel the feel the weight. It feels, yeah, mm-hmm. there's like a weight to it. Wow! It tells you, it tells, it tells a big part of the story. You know, and it really helps us with clarity too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can, especially we notice when it comes to somebody like joking. Yeah, a lot of times that can be sort of lost, like a sort of joke that we thought was a joke, but then you put the right music behind it, and you understand the intent behind the line, and it makes the joke make sense. Or makes the or makes the emotion make sense. You know, it's all for us. It's all based on emotion. So, um, you know, uh, the amount of times that we heard from people in the last episode of Six Minutes who cried at the end. You know, yeah, that's 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 like 
yeah, you're, you're in, with the music and everything. And when it all comes together, if, if you're making somebody cry, I mean, that is an amazing, uh, tap into an emo- emotion level. So we go for that level, like all the time. So because of that, the music has to, um, evoke a lot of different emotions and, and we actually don't compose to scene. So in other words, in other words, like we don't hear a scene and go, okay, we need to write something that does this. So as the show's in development, myself or my team of composers, we're writing, um, we come up with a theme. So the theme, you know, you'll notice most of our stuff has a theme song and that gives us the sort of sonic palette of like what the, what the um, instrumentation and sort of what the vibe is going to be. And then we'll go to work creating 20 to 30 uh, three-minute kind of tracks that are based on emotions. Mm. So I need, I need like four tracks of dad's leaving town. I need, oh, I need five track. I need five tracks of like caught in the mass during a windstorm. You know, I need, I need uh, going into battle, you know, I need this and that. And so, and so, uh, and then those all, you know, it's either me or they come back to me and I'm like, change this, change this, go to this, you know, go to a flat here. Don't do this. Um, we need more of this. Uh, and so what we hopefully have by the time we start in post-production on the show is a library of music that is custom designed for that show based on the emotions that the show is asking for. Wow. So, and then, you know, and we pride ourselves on making it sound like we sat down and composed everything directly to scene. And that's just a real big props to, you know, my composing team and just sort of understanding kind of with the history of the number of shows we've done now, we kind of just know what we need a lot of. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's kind of like when you write, like you're writing a a novel and you're like, Oh, I need the coffee table scene or I need the uh, breakup scene or I need the, uh, what's the other one, man, you know, (laughs) a man walks into a room scene, right. Which, you know, all the, the stuff that when I was, you know, writing that, that, uh, chapter book with, with Riva, we're having to kind of like think, okay, well, we need something here that's going to give the, and you know, the intense, like it's the, 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 the book we worked on was one where it's, um, you know, it goes, you go back in time, you know, it's sort of like mm-hmm. this, it's called the magical mystical mirror. <laughs> so, right, right, but, right, right. you know, so you had like, well, what's it sound like when you go back in time? It was really fun because she loves to read. I think mm-hmm. she reads more books in a day than I've re- I read in like a month, probably wow. a, almost a year. I, just, wish, I wish my kid, I wish my kid was like that. <laughs> she just consumes reading. How, how old is she? She's 11. Okay. She's 11. Great. And she just not only loves a great story and, you know, reading and everything, but, you know, when we listen to, to your guys's, uh, podcasts, like she, <laughs> when we talk about the stories and stuff, it's like, oh yeah, it's kind of like when in this book, this, you know, she, she already knows scene structure. So mm-hmm. like when we were writing our, our, our chapter book, she, she, you know, I would do most of the writing, but she would be like, Hey, it has to kind of feel like this. And this is mm-hmm. the same thing. Like, how are we going to make it feel? And I, I really think that's an interesting way to go about it because mm-hmm. um, even as like, a startup, you know, like w- when you're first trying to get your product market fit, you're trying to build something that has never existed before. Mm-hmm. You, you need to know like what the people that are interacting with what you're building, how is it going to make them feel? What What's the story behind it? Why am I building this thing, whatever this thing is? Because a lot of times technical people, they like build the technology because the technology is cool. 
like, oh, we're going to do machine learning and artificial intelligence because it's cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, well, when someone uses this, how does it make you feel? And most people are like, well, it's confusing because <laughs> I have no idea what this stuff means. I was actually talking right. to someone the other day about their pitch for their machine learning, you know, services, market, optimization. I mean, just the the words were so long and arduous. And I'm kind of like, well, what's the point? Like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And I, and I mm-hmm. like the fact that, you know, what you're trying to get at is the emotion of the story. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, I cried at the end of six minutes. I mean, I was a little teary eyed because it oh, was yeah. just this beautiful, like coming together and you felt, you felt it in your heart that mm-hmm. this was, this was caring. This was cared for. This was nurtured in a way that respected, you know, not only the listener or the consumer mm-hmm. of the media, but like someone cared about it. And mm-hmm. That's hard. I mean, when when I write, I try to do that when I write. Um, and mm-hmm. it's hard to do, especially if you write nonfiction books, because, you know, it's like, how do you put right. care and meaning into a nonfiction thing about entrepreneurs or, you know, technical management or marketing or PR? But it's these mm-hmm. stories that matter, right? The connection, the heartstrings. Um, yeah, so- Dave and I, Dave, Dave, and, Dave and I were here sitting in the studio putting that episode together. And, you know, the last episode, as you know, is like an hour long, which- yeah. Insane. We're actually working on another show that's going to be the first um, audio movie, meaning it's all it's going to be like two and a half hours long, like one file. Oh wow! Like it just so it's going to be it's going to and that's the it, the previews up on our site. It's called Last Dog, and so we're pretty excited about that one. But cool. that's a, that's you know we're always trying to sort of figure out best some different ways to tell the stories too, not just ten episodes at a time, um, but. Uh, which was what six minutes was. You know, I, in the early days, I had somebody say to me you know, oh, we can't advertise on fiction shows because they end after 10 episodes. Like nobody wants to buy time on that. If you can do me a fiction show that runs forever, we'll buy, <laughs> we'll sell advertising. And so Dave, Ben, and I looked at each other and said, you know what? Nobody's done this. We're going to try it. Yeah. And so for two and a half years, yeah, you know, it, it, it ran two times a week. I mean, that was, we were super proud of that um, accomplishment yeah. and just fe- figuring out how to do that with the actors and the how far ahead we needed to stay in production. And at the same time, keep producing other shows. So it's a big, big learning experience for us. But I will say at the end, when um, uh, I was putting together that last episode and we were on the final scene and I I just happened to find the right piece of music written by my friend and longtime friend. And he's one of an amazing film composer named Sean Pierce, who's, uh, who's done a lot of work with me on albums in the past. We go way, way back. And he just had this piece of music that plays at the end. And, it just got, I was just in tears, you know, yeah. bawling, like, cause it, you know, this is two and a half years of our life. Yeah. And I look back and look back and Dave's sitting back, you know, Dave would sit back on the couch back there, you know, yeah. he's listening and, uh, and, and we're both just, I was just a mess. And it was a totally one of those moments. I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm not crying. <laughs> you know, one of those, one of those got moments. sand in my eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and you know, I got to say, I even, I still listen, if I listen to it, these even now, you know, it still chokes me up. So yeah. that's, that's a real, I'm glad that you felt that. And you know, that's uh, a job, well, a success, you know, in our book. So. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think all, all artists, you know, and, and I consider entrepreneurs, the artists of the business world, you know, just mm-hmm. because, I mean, when you create something from nothing, then you expect someone to buy it. I mean, that's pretty bold. <laughs> like, right, right, that's never right, existed right. before. And you're like, Hey, buy this thing. And you're like, what the heck do you mean? And, 
And the only way to get through the noise is is with story and emotion. I mean, I, I can't, I can't even just stress this enough. And because every time I met when I mentor young entrepreneurs, like I get that you know it's oh most of the they're always technical entrepreneurs, and it's like the tech just overshadows like everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, no one cares about the tech, right? No, they care mm-hmm. about what it's going to benefit to them. And I think this, you know, the medium of podcasting and audio in general um, has a, has an intimacy, I think, that mm-hmm. not a lot of other media has. I mean, books to a certain degree, because, you know, you really can't, like, do other things when you're reading a book. But you really can't do anything else when you're listening to a podcast or that voice is in your head. You know, unlike, you know, a movie where the visuals and, and you can actually get away with a lot in a movie with other things, you know, with you've got another layer, right, to, to play with, another canvas to play with. Whereas sound, you know, if people don't like your voice, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> They're going to turn yeah, it off, yeah. right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I find it kind of fascinating that the, 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 the growth of podcasting and audio as a lesson for how lots of different entrepreneurs need to kind of use the medium they have to tell this better story. And, and it, that there's just always read stories always resonate with me. I mean, I, like mm-hmm. I said, I, I love to write books and it's just to me, if the, the art of it feels yep. like, right. So. Yeah, absolutely. If, you know, and you know, one of you were talking, you said something interesting about the sort of, uh, individualness of, uh, of the book, you know? Yeah. And that actually was a pretty, you know, one of the th- things we learned early on that was kind of a surprise to us, you know, and the way I had always consumed podcasts were, you know, getting on the subway, going yeah. to a gig, yeah. you know, sort of very insular and by myself, you know, yeah. got the head, got the head pod, headphones in, I'm going to my gig. I'm going to check out this latest radio lab or whatever. Um, but what we found with ours, which is really interesting is that, you know, most of our downloads don't equal one download in terms of a set of ears. Yep. Like most podcasts, yep. our podcasts equal generally four or more, sometimes large classrooms listening to the same download. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. you know, we're getting anywhere from two to like 35 sets of ears um, listening to one of our sh- one, one download. So it's been interesting to find that out and then be interesting to figure out different ways to monetize that because, um, you know, when we have a big number on a, on a bunch of downloads for like a, it's, um, it's, it's already terrific, but it's really four times at least times that. Yeah. You know, which is kind of, uh, humbling and also, uh, different in terms of other podcasts and, you know, selling advertising on your shows and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think you probably, you guys have a different model for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I do want to ask you, um, (laughs) why do you come in at the end and, it's do your do your little uh hi this is chris terry thing i'm so curious about that yeah so uh it depends it depends so that stuff is not it actually sounds to you like it's at the end but it but it it can sort of happen anywhere so our hmm. our distri- our distributor decides where those get put oh, and okay. that'll 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 appear if there isn't an ad oh. or something like that you know what i mean and usually oh, okay. and usually and usually it's something we're trying to trying to promote uh, internally on, you know, I, again, other show, or we recently just launched our new Patreon pages, which we're desperately trying to just get yeah. more and more happening and get, you know, get better at sort of this 
this back and forth and, and interaction with our fans, you know, I yeah. mean, we were so busy heads down in producing these shows and it takes so long and it's so much work that the three of us were sort of unable to sort of have that interaction and everything sort of felt like half measures, you know, Oh, we got a Twitter account, but nobody's posted for six years, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, like who knows, who knows more about Twitter and that the three of us don't raise our hands. So, you know, we started to really realize business-wise like what we're good at and what we're not good at. So we're really trying to have this interaction with our fans now. Um, it takes people and it takes effort. And, uh, and so generally if you hear me, Mm -hmm. well, no, you'll hear two things. You'll either hear me, uh, reading an ad that somebody has bought on our, on our service, or you'll hear me generally at the end pushing, uh, something that we, we, we want sort of interaction wise from our fans. You'll hear a new one running now, probably I think at the beginning of every Remy episode where our uh, social media person, Jess Hmm. uh, is pushing the new Patreon. Yeah. Okay. Um, And it, and it, uh, those things are interestingly kind of determined, um, you know, uh, by, by the distributor, like where those get put, whether pre-roll, post-roll, mid-roll, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, so I just do them up. I send them out. And they appear wherever they do, but I, it's so funny. I get the same, I get the same comment <laughs> as you. And I, and I really, I really love it. I mean, we had some friends over last night and their kids are huge fans and you know, they say, Oh, Chris, can you do your thing? Can you say your thing? Yeah. They say, Hey, this is Chris Terry from Gen Z media. Yes. Yes. You know, and I never really considered myself too much of a radio guy, but you know, outside this, I've also produced some sort of, you know, adult stuff and stuff for the CBC and different, different things like that. And, and, realized that uh my canadianness i think has provided me with a oh yeah with with kind of a understandable and clear voice so uh and you know being a musician and a band leader i've talked to audiences for years and years and years and i i I think that's where that stuff is coming in handy oh yeah it's it's a real um connection and a you know, a bit, it's, fun. well, like, I think I told you before, like, you know, Reva can do you perfectly. <laughs> I love it. I would love, can, can you just give her a shout out real quick? Cause then she'd be super over the moon. So. Hey Reva, I'm just jumping into your dad's podcast here to say, this is Chris Terry from Gen Z media. And I'm hoping you're having a great day. Ah, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful place to end. So, uh, Chris, man, just love what you guys are doing at Gen Z Media. Everyone should check it out. It's actually one of the best ways to spend time as a family during this pandemic, especially if you have to drive somewhere. Uh, really well done content and you know, wish you guys all the best of luck. I can't wait to listen to more of your shows. It's great, great. Yeah. Uh thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you reaching out and uh, you know, um take a listen to i think i was really happy with the the hollow teaser that came out it's 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 pretty it's going to be pretty fun so we're got lots of stuff going on and uh it's always great to hear from people like yourself that enjoy it and uh are really sort of understanding what we do and it means a lot because you know like i said we oftentimes oftentimes i have my head down in this uh land of the studio and don't look up for weeks and it's nice to know that you're reaching people which is the most important thing Absolutely. You guys are doing a great job. Keep up the great work. Great. Thank you so much, man. And, uh, and let me send me a message. Let me know what your uh, stepdaughter says. Hope she, hope she likes that. Oh, she's going to love it. Talk to you later. That's great. Great. Thanks, man.
Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.